This is the Wellness for Vets podcast, providing information and resources to improve the wellness of the men and women serving our nation and the first responders who are serving their communities. We'll talk about exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, and alternative practices and emerging therapies for the mind, body, and spirit. Right out there, and welcome to another episode of Wellness for Vets podcast, coming to you from the Eagle's Nest in Limerick, Ireland. Uh, just a reminder, our website is up and running, www.wellnessforvets.info. Um, we're, we're doing a, a whole upgrade, so it went from a, I don't know, kind of a half-assed blog to a full-blown website now, and it's coming along really good. Uh, props to my awesome web developer. Um, or web designer, which is the proper terminology. Uh, it's looking really good. So we got some uh, resources on there for fitness and nutrition and uh, stress. Working on putting some stuff up there for uh, using VIA benefits and all that kind of stuff. So pop on by and give us a look, and I'll be sure to remind you again at the end of this episode. So today, in keeping with our uh, the wellness theme, all right, we're going to be doing a, another episode on entrepreneurship, and I have with us today my my friend and former co-worker, Jesse Jordan, uh, a, a former Marine. You retired, right? I did, yeah. Retired Marine, um, who runs Axe Head Coffee out of Jacksonville, North Carolina. Bringing him on here, number one, because people had a lot of questions of me about entrepreneurship, guys getting out, wanting to start their own business and things like that. And again, going along with the wellness, it comes back down to that, leaving the stability, the, the unstable stability of the military to the complete chaos of the quote unquote real world, you know, and, you know, either finding a job or trying to live the American dream and be your own boss. Jesse Jordan, he's done both. All right. He is his own boss and living the American dream. So uh, I'm going to introduce him here now. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. It's good to be here. All right, um, and just for uh, the audience, can you tell us a little bit about your a little bit about yourself, some some of your background um, about the Marine Corps, uh, and then we'll get into the, the the coffee business. Yeah, so I'm originally from Alabama, which I don't know if uh, any of you guys can tell. I'm a big Crimson Tide fan, but uh, I'm originally from Alabama. Well, um, so basically, what the audience gets is the video, uh, the audio. I just okay. the video so I can see who I'm talking to, but I'm, I'm yep. sad to uh, to let you listeners know he's decked out in his uh, Alabama hat and drinking out of his Alabama coffee cup. So, <laughs> yeah, so originally from Alabama, um, joined the Marine Corps like right out of high school. Like that, that's what I wanted to do growing up. Always wanted to be in the military. So, um, found out what the Marine Corps was all about, sort of. Um, well, I found out what the recruiter told me what the Marine Corps was all about. And, uh, you know, fell in love with that, that ideal and, uh, you know, joined the Marine Corps right out of, out of high school. And so, you know, did 20 years, get, ended up getting out for about a year, uh, doing some, uh, some private contracting and then went back in and, uh, finished it up did 20 years. So that's a little bit about the, how, I mean, the whole reason I got into the Marine Corps in the first place is because, you know, it was just, I grew up in the eighties you know, watching Rambo, watching uh, uh, G.I. Joe, and, you know, those things really appealed to me. And, 
So coming out of uh, elementary school and middle school, that's all I wanted to do. That's what I had my mind set up on. And, uh, you know, that joy of the Marine Corps dream come true. So. Jesse and I, our paths crossed when we were uh, both working at uh, the Marine Special Operations Command, Marine Special Operations School. He was still on active duty as an instructor. And I was uh, a new, newly anointed civilian working on the curriculum development side of the house, supporting his courses. So that's kind of how we met. Um, and we'll, Jess, we'll get into the, we'll, we'll get more into the details about starting the coffee business, like the business end of it in a little bit, but just briefly, if you could, like, how did you get into coffee? So, you know, I honestly, it was, I never even drank coffee until I had my first kid and I was an instructor and, uh, you know, of course, late nights being an instructor, then going home, crying babies, coming back and then having to do it all over again every day. And energy drinks were just tearing my stomach up. So I started drinking coffee and, um, from there just never really had a passion for coffee until later on. And then, being on deployments and, you know, coffee being something that just kind of give you that sense of home, you know, when you have some good coffee, especially some of the places that we've been, you know, you don't have a whole lot. You're living, you're lucky to get a shower, but you know, coffee is one of those constant things that you always have. So, you know, from there just learning. And then one day I just decided, you know, I think I want to try to try my hand at the coffee business. And then as I got into the coffee business, like, just learning what all is, what all it's about. And, and just kind of fell in love with the whole process. Yeah. I think, uh, just, I think it was just this past week, I was telling some stories about coffee and, um, you know, like being out on a troop carrier somewhere out in the middle of the Pacific ocean, out on a Navy ship and you ain't got nothing else to do as a Marine, but sit on the mess deck late at night and drink coffee or early in the morning drinking coffee or whatever time you get out of rack and just sit there and have your coffee or take it out to the smoke pit, you know? Um, and then of course being in the desert in the, in the middle of chaos, usually when the sun's coming up and say, all right, let's grab a cup of coffee before all hell breaks loose. And it's just a chance to have some sort of peace and tranquility and hanging out with the guys talking about anything but the war, you know, before you got to go out on patrol or whatever. Yeah. And we, I mean, we as humans, you know, smell is a huge part of our senses, you know, and so that just the smell of coffee brings back in nostalgia for that kind of stuff, that little piece of time of peace, you know, and tranquility. So. And, and you, you said uh, you, you didn't really get too much really into coffee until later on when you, I guess we were getting into the business. And I have noticed from everybody I know, um, well, I think, I think you're the only coffee uh, roaster I know in the States off the top of my head, but I know a few in, in Europe, uh, Romania specifically. Um, and, and it's like, it's a serious business. I mean, being a coffee connoisseur is about as serious as being like a, a wine connoisseur, you know, knowing the ins and outs of the beans and the location they come from and all that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, the beans are so, I mean, from region to region, from the soil they're grown in to the elevation they're grown at, you know, really impacts the flavor of the coffee and, and the nuances of those coffees. And so, you know, you, you take it to wine and wine has a flavor wheel to it. So you get this 
certain notes out of certain wines, coffee has the same thing. It has a flavor wheel um, that just that is supposedly, I'm not a big wine guy, but supposedly is bigger than the wine flavor wheel. There's more flavors that come out of coffees. And it's all how the, the beans process. It's how, I mean, like I said, it's grown. The region is grown in, you know, it can, the, the weather for that year can impact the flavor of the coffee. So uh, it's huge, you know, differences from one area to the, to the next. All right. So once you start taking us through the, the post Marine Corps story, actually you, you got into the coffee business while you were still in uniform. So kind of, how did you go from, not being a coffee drinker to being a part-time coffee drinker to, Hey, I want to get in the coffee business. Yeah. So, I mean, it was actually, you know, I had already loved coffee and I was going through a special program and just getting my butt kicked and I was drinking coffee one day and, and one morning and I was like, you know what? I'm getting older, you know, getting my butt kicked doing these things is, you know, I'm reaching that lifespan. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to retire and open up a, a coffee shop. And at that point, you know, not knowing what all went into coffee, you know, I knew what coffee tasted like. I know what kind of coffees I like to drink and I knew there were differences, but once I started studying and researching everything that goes into coffee, I really fell in love with the coffee roasting side of stuff. So, you know, I spent the last probably two years in the Marine Corps I'm off time, you know, learning that whole, you know, the business side of it and everything and the different pathways you can take in the coffee industry. And I was very lucky to have a mentor to kind of walk me through some of that stuff, um, which I'll talk about mentors later being, you know, if, as an entrepreneur is one of the most important things you can have, you know, in being an entrepreneur. But I actually just kind of cold called him. I went up, he was, uh, serving uh, coffee. I went up, bought a cup of coffee from him and asked him if I could sit down and pick his brain for a while. And we probably talked for two hours about different things in Marine Corps and coffee and different industries and stuff. And from there I was able to go back and kind of focus my research, um, on the pathway of the industry that I wanted to take. And I just fell in love with the roasting side of it. And so from there, I really, fell into an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And so my last year in the Marine Corps, I was running a coffee business and uh, being a Marine at the same time, which was very tiring. <laughs> and I think you were doing some experimenting too, right? Cause I know you would show up with a bag of coffee and be like, Hey, I just, I just tried this one out. And then uh, the guys in the shop, you know, I, I don't, I don't think the coffee ventured outside of the, uh, your guys's little office, unless someone, yeah, not much. We uh, <laughs> so I had I had some that you know that my mentor had you know some, some roads that my mentor had showed me, and then I started experimenting. And luckily, I had a group of guys that like coffee that I was able to use as guinea pigs, you know, to to see if that were good flavors or not. So, so in in uh, in doing and going through all of this, did you have any? Well, you pretty much already answered this question. I was going to ask if you had any. Uh, previous training or anything or experience with, with the roasting and a coffee, but you said you, you met the guy at the coffee shop and you guys just started talking. He became your mentor. So there you, other than that, it was pretty much just uh reading, huh? Well, yeah, he, he roasted his own coffee also. And so he invited me into to, to roast coffee and, you know, 
and I kind of, I don't, I didn't take over, but I, I kind of pushed him out of the way and said, Hey, show me how to do this. You, you sit back and just show me how to do this. And, and that's what he did. And he showed me and, and talked through a lot of the nuances of roasted coffee. And then from there, I did a lot of my own research, um, reaching out to other people. There are other people in the coffee industry and LinkedIn was a huge part of that. Uh, and still is to this day out. I'll cold call somebody and just ask to pick their brain about stuff. And that's one of the good things about the coffee industry is, you know, there's, there's a ton of coffee roasters out there. You know, they're popping up all over the place, but the coffee industry is pretty friendly when it comes to sharing information and, and sharing thoughts on, on different stuff. They don't, there's not a whole lot of rice bowling going on in the coffee industry, which is very surprising. Um, especially with the growing industry right now yeah and i imagine it's uh it's pretty high in demand so it would be hard for like one or two people to really corner the market it really i mean coffee is the second largest traded commodity in the world behind oil so i mean everybody's drinking coffee yeah yeah or it's going into something else there's a lot of you know there's even dry rubs for barbecue made from coffee nowadays which i have not tried yet but i've heard is amazing so you came up um, with the the Axe Head brand while you were still in in the Marine Corps. Where does uh, where does that come from? I'm from, like I said, I'm from Alabama, so I'm, it's a small timber community, and uh, you know, it's logging is the lifeblood of the, the little town that I'm from, and that's kind of the what we wanted to portray with our brand was you know that kind of working class um, ideal or that coffee. Especially, especially coffee, kind of stepped away from you know. It's, we went more into the uh, the hipster vibe and everything, whether on purpose or on accident. But you know, we kind of wanted to bring that back to the working class. You know, even though it's gourmet coffee, you know, when you wake up at four o'clock every morning, you at least deserve to have a, a good tasting cup of coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you, and, and uh, yeah, a good cup of coffee in the morning is greatly appreciated. And so. <laughs> You, uh, your mentor, is this a guy who was at Muddy's, right? Is that what it was called? Yeah. So his name is Tony Waters. He owns a coffee shop in Jacksonville here, um, Muddy's Coffee House. And we're still partnered with him to this day. And he, he's a retired Marine too. And that kind of, that was my end as far as, uh, being able to chat with him and build some rapport with him. And, you know, we've been great friends ever since. And, uh, you know, he, he still helps me along. Sometimes he'll, he'll say something. I'll be like, damn, that's some Obi-Wan. Stuff right there, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> why did you teach me that before? <laughs> so, when we met, I wasn't too far gone from my tour in Europe where I enjoyed many, many street side cafes and, and good coffees and stuff. So, when I found out you were into coffee, I was I was really fascinated by what, what you had going on. And um, I remember Jesse, um, you know, seeing pictures on Facebook or him talking about, you know, he just got a new roaster or I think Muddy's might've been under some renovations at the time. And you were in there. Um, the, the store itself was kind of tore up, but you had your own booth in there and you would go in there like before zero dark 30 before coming to work and then be in there at night after work, you know, trying to perfect the roasting side of it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it takes some focus. And so the way our stuff was set up in that coffee shop is still set up like that now, but, uh, it's where everybody can, they walk in the front door and the roaster is right there. And so they can sit there and chat with you. And, and I may or may not have burned, uh, a couple of batches of coffee sitting there chatting with people. Cause I do, I love to talk to people in the first place. 
you know, which is great for the coffee industry because there's nothing better than sitting around chatting over a cup of coffee, you know? And uh, so I may or may not have burned a few batches. So I'd have to wait till the store closed before I could actually do most of my, my roasting. And I still do that now. I'm, I'll, you know, roast coffee till 10, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to get orders and stuff out. Now, so when you were getting ready to retire, I, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I remember you and I were talking and you hadn't really planned on staying around Jacksonville. I think you were going to move. For some reason, I thought it was to the Midwest, but maybe you were going to go back to Alabama. And then just here recently, we were talking and you had actually ended up spending some time in Quantico. Well, no, I'm still here. I stayed here in Jacksonville. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. I sort of went similar route that, that you went when you retired. Um, they they were trying to start up a new uh, system of training for okay. for Marsoc, and they they asked me to come on and and help set that up. And, and so I do that, you know, as a full time job, and I'm doing the coffee business as a second full time job because entrepreneurship is not a hard time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you didn't have to move all your gear and everything like that. Yeah, we stayed in place. Originally, we were going to go to Florida. That was the dream was to move to Florida and start a coffee shop down in Florida and, uh, you know, kind of move our business down there. And, and it's still possible, you know, most of our stuff is online, so we're still able to get up and move if we if we really want to. And, and uh, so that, and I've got two, you know, middle school age kids that are still, still in school, so we decided to stay in place and we'll see what happens when they move out of the house and and uh, we may end up picking up moving. We may expand down that way. So hopefully all right, man. So let's, cross. let's get into the meat and potatoes now, all right? So you're living the American dream. Now, you, you started, you, you pretty much got the seed planted and started the business while you were still in the service, which is great because you had steady source of income while you were yep. figuring everything else out. But what did it take for, for anybody out there who, you know, has dreams of starting their own thing, you know, and, maybe start small and growing, whatever the case may be. Um, and understanding that businesses differ state to state, but just kind of, what did you, how did you start a business there in, in Jacksonville? Ne- I mean, never mind the fact that you were still in the service. Like I said, that was just nice to have because of steady yeah. income, but what did you have to go through to um, get the thing up and running? So I'll, I'm first, I'll start out with mentality. You know, the, the stepping, the, the taking that first step is the hardest thing when you're starting your own business because you're stepping into the unknown. Even though I had a steady income, um, we, you know, had that opportunity to fall on our lap. And you just don't know if you're, you're doing the right thing and, or, or if it's going to work out. So taking that first step is the hardest thing. Uh, and luckily I had some mentors. I had some people that some programs through the, the military, a lot of community college have a small business center um, that teach and most of the time they're free. There'll be different seminars and stuff that they do. So I went to a, a lot of these seminars on how to start a business, how to get funding, how to uh, do, get loans and stuff. So that gave me a lot of confidence to take that first step. Um, I did a three day seminar at our, our community college here. And after that, you know, I was pretty motivated and, and ready to go. So taking that first step, you know, in, in North Carolina is very entrepreneur friendly as far as like the laws are concerned. Uh, so going through the North Carolina Department of State to get my LLC, which anybody going, starting in, in uh, their own business, 
you know, an LLC is a must or at least incorporating somehow is a must going at it, you know, as a sole proprietor, you know, really leaves yourself open. If something happens, if somebody wants to sue you or if something bad happens, it really leaves you, you and your personal life open to everything. Starting an LLC is probably one of the most important things. And, um, and it's fairly easy. A lot of stuff's online. If I'm not mistaken, that's pretty much you fill out the application and send it into the uh, the State Department or whatever they call it, and they basically just run it through a system to make sure that the business name isn't already taken. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, even if you didn't have a business and you wanted to start an LLC, you could do so. <laughs> I mean, you could. That's it's. I want to say it was about $125 and you pay a yearly fee to keep it going. Um, if you, if you don't pay that yearly fee, you end up losing the LLC, but um, and just about every state is the same. There are some states that are a lot easier to do. I know Delaware apparently is very easy to start an LLC. A lot of people do that, especially a lot of um, international companies that start business in the United States. Del- Delaware, my, my home state, there's no uh, corporate tax. So that's why you, all your credit card bills come out of Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, North Carolina is pretty friendly when it comes to that stuff too. Um, and, you know, I haven't had this issue yet, but taxes, you know, paying your taxes on time. North Carolina is pretty friendly when you communicate with them. Uh, especially in times like right now with the COVID stuff going on and people losing a lot of revenue, you know, they're pretty friendly when it comes to like, if you just communicate with them be like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to cover my taxes this, this quarter. They'll usually waive it for a quarter or do something to help you out. And they have good programs here in North Carolina to, to do that. So. All right. So then once you got the, uh, the ax head name registered, right, because you're dealing in, in a consumable, um, did you have to get anything from the, I can't remember the name of the, the department, but basically like the, the food and beverage people. So the coffee is actually, um, regulated by the, um, the department of agriculture. Okay. And so we work with them. They come in and inspect our stuff to make sure that we're doing everything safely. And, and, uh, because there's not a lot of coffee, uh, roasters around, especially in North Carolina, they, um, they usually come in, take a look, and they sometimes they have to call somebody to make sure that they're inspecting it properly. But, uh, you know, and coffee is very, in the green, is very uh, sustainable. You know, we as long as you keep the humidity right, you keep everything off the ground and stuff, It's it, it'll last a long time. So Nice. Then, so other than that, was there any other paperwork or certifications that you were required to get and maintain or maybe awards? So there wasn't really any other paperwork that I was required to do, but um, in the, the county of the on that we live in that we're set up in, I went ahead and registered our name just uh, under a, a few different names. And really it was just Axet Coffee, Axet Coffee Roasters, Axet Coffee. Our, our legal name is Axet Coffee Roasters LLC. Um, so I just registered those names just to, just to cover my own, you know, self in case I put something out or, on the window exit coffee and somebody wanted really wanted to say something. So it was more just to protect myself with the county than anything. But um that was really it. Uh some some areas require you to, to register for a business license. Um but we're set up right outside of the the city limits and okay. so registering the LLC was really all we did, so 
Yeah, I do know it's a little bit more tricky when you're in the city and outside the city. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's always going to be more more people looking to put their hands in your pocket. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when um, now you had mentioned, you know, taking that first step and, and, and having the idea, you know, and that first step being the hardest thing. Um, and I've been to that small business course as well. I think when I was going through transition, they might have came and gave a presentation. So I signed up for it. Um, but when you talk about like, uh, is it, is it capital or overhead or whatever, the, the money you need to get the business up and running. Yeah. Um, and that's usually one of the scariest things for people is because, okay, I need to take out a loan to start the business. What happens if I don't turn a profit and I'm able to, yeah. and, and that's, I think what, and I'll admit it myself, it, it has stopped me from starting a business in the States before. Um, this guy wasn't that financially sound, but, um, I think that's what's, that's really what turns a lot of people off to pursuing their dream. Um, now in your case, did, did you have to, uh, take out a loan or, uh, and it was, was money ever an issue that would have prevented you from pursuing this? Yeah. So we, luckily we had a pretty low startup cost as far as what we, you know, it, especially compared to a lot of other businesses. So we did have to take out a loan to buy all of our equipment to buy our first batches of coffee and really just kind of set get everything set up. A lot of the, the cost for the business license and all that stuff, all, a lot of that came out of pocket. Um, but we were able to get a secure loan fairly easily. And because of me starting this and having a full-time job and not needing the money from the business, I was able to pay that loan back pretty quickly and a lot of it out of my own pocket, which is another scary thing. Like that's something you, you, you start a business to make money. Uh, but whenever you're, you're, you're feeding money to that business, like it's another child, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, that's, that's what being an entrepreneur is. You've got to foster this thing almost like it's another, another kid. And, uh, so that gets pretty scary when the bills start piling up, but you know, you, it's also a good motivator. You know what I mean? When those, when you see those, you're not bringing in the money, but the bills are still coming. It's, it can be a good motivator to get your butt out and get hustling. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Cause you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta pay those bills back. You gotta pay those taxes. So. Yeah, indeed. Um, now with that, with the loans and then I'm not, I'm not going to ask you like, you know, what you took out, but what I am curious on is like, so anytime you take a loan, right. The bank wants to know, okay, if we're going to give you a loan, what's your plan? So you had to, yep. you have to write up a business plan yep. and then they want to know, okay, what's an idea of uh, when you can start paying us back. Yeah. I always equate a business plan to like a five paragraph order. You know, a lot of vets don't understand what I'm talking about with a five paragraph order. And that's really what a business plan is. Like you're, you're setting up your, you're saying, Hey, this is what we're, this is what our mission is. These are the steps that we're going to take to complete that mission. Um, and then you're looking at, how much money you plan on bringing in? What are your plans to bringing in that money? And, and there are a lot of different formats to business plans, but at the end of the day, that's really what it is. It's, it's five paragraph order. And you're giving that to the bank to say, Hey, we, we do have a plan to, to make, to give you your money back with a, uh, with the interest that we owe you. And, and if you have all that stuff wired tight, just like a five paragraph order, when you present that to the commander and you don't have your stuff wired tight, 
you know, he's going to tell you, no, you're not executing this, go back and rework it. And the bank's going to tell you the same thing. Like, no, we're not giving you this money until you can prove to us that you have a good solid plan to, to pay us back. It, and that's, I think that's a pretty piece of uh, solid information because I think most people might just be turned off by if the, if the bank says uh, no, but if they're telling you no, because, and they kind of show you where you're deficient in your planning, it's like having an opportunity to correct it and bring it back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are the idea people. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of inspiration from some people who, other people like Walt Disney, take a lot of inspiration from Walt Disney. I mean, the guy went bankrupt so many times and, you know, was really just, a, he was a shit show when he started out, you know, and now the guy, the, the company owns half the, the media in the world, you yeah. know, and it, he was successful because he had a good numbers guy. His brother was a banker. And so he brought his brother on, on board and his brother was the one who was able to, to maneuver the finances and to make sure that everything working. And that's when Walt Disney and Disney world, or Disney Corporation kind of exploded. And uh, so it's always important to have a good numbers guy, you know, so whether or not that's somebody that works for you or somebody that you have to pay on the side to, to do that, like a, a CPA or something that, that helps you out with those numbers. But so did you, you have a, did you write your own plan or is that, did you have help with that or how'd that work? Well, we wrote our own plan. Um, we did because we were had such a small startup cost. Um, you know, that was not, uh, you know, our numbers, we were working with smaller numbers, you know? And so, um, luckily, uh, so we didn't have to hire a CPA or anything to, to help us out, but we, you know, we, we pretty much wrote it on our own, but we did it with guidance from a lot of those, um, seminars and stuff that we went through. We also got connected with, uh, a place called bunker labs, which is a, an entrepreneur incubator for, you know, run pretty much run by veterans. And it's like a, it's a huge network of veterans and they're all over the country. Um, they have, they host these um, events once a month. Um, well, they did the COVID stuff hit, but they host events once a month uh, where everybody can get together and just kind of rub elbows. They usually do it at a brewery, you know, so everybody can grab a beer and just sit there and they'll have a guest speaker comes on, talks for 15, 20 minutes. And then the rest of the time, it's just network. And that was so, Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs. Yep. If you go Google Bunker Labs, it'll it'll come up and uh, it'll show the different states, different cities that they're set up in. Um, yeah, and I, I do know the uh, those small small business places, like you said, that are usually in the community colleges. Um, they don't just give the seminars, but you can actually go in there and uh, they'll help you get yourself squared away. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're set up in those networks, uh, a lot of times, like I still, they'll shoot me an email and just be like, Hey, just checking in. Uh, is there anything we can do for you? Um, and they've invited us to come back. They've invited me to come back and actually give a, a talk on the coffee business. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have you done it already or is it? Yeah, I did it uh, about a year ago. So it was, and it's good. That's another networking thing. And you're going into those sort of things, it's pretty humbling uh, to see, you know, everybody else is coming in and trying to start up a business too. And you start talking about your own business and, and how, you know, you realize how small you really are. And, um, but at the same time, it's great to network with other people and the past ideas. I mean, every time I do something like that, I learn something there, you know, even if it's somebody from somebody that hasn't even started yet, but they have this great idea and how to implement that idea and, and 
you know, I'll take that and be like, man, I could probably take that to the coffee industry and, and implement that, whether or not it's social media, whether or not it's, you know, some type of other marketing. Um, so I'm always learning something new from people whenever I do events like that. Nice. So, um, so let's get into sort of, I guess it would be the, the marketing side of things. I guess business too, because you said you do a lot of online work. Um, how did you go about building your website? So we use, there's a lot of platforms out there now. Wix uh, is one. That's the one we use uh, originally. And so we started, we built the website on our own. Um, but since then we've, we've paid somebody to develop something a little more professional looking because even though I can put something on there that I think that looks good, there are professionals out there that, you know, do that, do the research and stuff and, uh, and are able to put something together that actually appeals to people. And I've, uh, I've used the analogy of, you know, if you go into, you remember old Kmart, you know, yeah. and everything's all over the place and they got blue lights flashing all over the place. And you, <laughs> you know, you want to get in there and get what you need and get out. You don't want to sit there and peruse and, and look around, you know, vice going into target where everything's nice and, and presentable and looked a little fancier, you know, so we want our website to go from looking like Kmart to looking like Target. And uh, when when you started this site, did you already anticipate doing as much online business as as you have been? Originally, that's what we wanted. It was uh, we wanted to be online. We okay. wanted the online store to be the center of it. But as we started the company, and we realized like we had uh, a pretty good base here in Jacksonville already. And so, uh, I would say probably about 75% of our business started out uh, in the shop. And so that kind of took the forefront was the local community and trying to, to spread the word around the local community. Now, since then, the website has, has picked up, uh, we've got a lot of, uh, out of state orders and stuff that are coming in. So that's another reason we want to get to our website professionally done and you know we want our customers to have a good experience when they check out our our, uh, our website just as if they were coming into our store okay so then uh, with that now when people order stuff on there how did you go about like when i think about and and this is just coffee you know a uh, coffee business and when i think about how much probably goes into that i'm like man you know when you really get down to it there's a lot of moving parts so when you, when somebody orders something, like how do you go about lining up the delivery, you know, uh, or using DHL, UPS, FedEx, like how do people get their stuff or these contracts that you already have set up with um, uh, the carriers or, you know, how's that work out? So we use, uh, uh, we have another software that we use for our uh, logistics uh, for our shipping, all of our stuff out. And we, we were able to tie it somewhat into our website uh, with the new website coming up. That's going to actually tie it, tie it in a lot. They're actually going to talk to each other. Um, but that's, that gives us the best options for shipping. So, uh, you know, a pound of coffee versus 10 pounds of coffee, the postal service will be able to give us a better option for a smaller one where UPS may be able to give us a better option for the other one. So the software we use will actually give us quotes for all those different um, okay. entities. So that way we can give our customers the best uh, shipping options as far as price is concerned. So no, nice. they're all in, within the States. They're, they all deliver about the same time. Usually we can get stuff across the, the country in about three to four days. Okay. Um, so that's, 
which is big for us because you order coffee. Uh, you know, I don't want you to wait two weeks to get your yeah. coffee. You know, I want, I want you to get it as soon as possible because we, it is fresh and we want it to be fresh when you get it. And, uh, so that's, um, and logistics is, I mean, even Patton knew how important logistics could be. You know what I mean? So logistics can, will make and break you. And that's probably the hardest. That's probably the biggest learning curve with starting a business like this is the whole logistics side of it. And anybody that's out there that uh, wants to help me out with logistics, <laughs> logistics professionals out there. Uh, no, but it, it is, it's just a huge learning process and it's, it's always evolving and, and it's something that, um, I take a lot of time and, and research and try to figure out how to do it better. Um, but the software we use, it helps out a ton. And that, that software is open to anybody. It's free software. It's called XPS. Um, they take a percentage every time you ship something. That's a very small percentage. I think it's like 1% of whatever you ship it, and that's how they make money. But they're tied in with the U.S. Postal Service and everything. So if anybody's looking at just starting a business similar XPS is the best software that we've found so far. Well, and it's interesting. So I guess that's uh, you getting the product out to the customers, only one half of it. What about you getting the stuff that you need? Like how, how do you go about shopping for the best beans? Where do they come from? Right. Because you got Colombian coffee, African coffee, South American coffee, Indonesian coffee, but it's not necessarily like you're, you're not, or maybe you are waiting on a shipment of beans from Africa. I'm assuming there's a distributor somewhere in the pipeline. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. Like if I, if you, for somebody like me where I, I have nine different coffees or nine different countries, I get coffee from. And so I use an importer. You can go farm direct. Um, especially if you only have one or two different uh, types of beans that you're going with. Uh, a lot of companies will do that. A lot of these bigger companies, what they'll do is they'll they'll take one coffee and they'll roast it different ways. And that's where they get their different flavors from. Or they'll take coffees from a couple different farms and they'll mix them and blend them and they'll get their flavors that they're looking for. We're trying to, we try to stay with the single work of coffee. And so that way people get the nuances of those, those coffees, uh, just how they're meant to be, you know. And so we use an importer. We did a lot of research and a lot of time talking to other importers. Uh, we found this one. It's a little bit of a smaller importer, and they're, but they're, you know, growing rapidly. Uh, and we, we really liked them because they treated us just like we were one of the big guys, you know, even though we were small fries in the, in the coffee industry. They treated us right, and they actually go down to the farms, and they – they help the farmers with best practices. They help the farmers when it comes to you know, making sure they're doing, you know, stuff to be able to maintain and, and keep that farm thriving. Um, and then they taste the coffee on site. And if the coffee doesn't reach a certain threshold, then they don't buy the coffee. And so I know I'm always getting good coffee from, from them. Um and this just, and just came through the doing your research and probably some tips from your mentor. Yeah, it was going through research. We actually didn't use the same people that he used whenever he was in the coffee business. We went with somebody else and it was through uh, research and then, and then phone calls and then, you know, talking to them on the phone. And, and that's how we, when we realized like how they, they, they treated us better than some of the other ones did. And so we stuck with them this whole time and we try to 
share some love on social media whenever we can to other people. But uh, they just the, the way that they treat not only us, but the way they treat their farmers too, that, that they work with in all these other countries. So we really enjoy working with them. Uh, they all, they actually offer trips to some of the sites. And so hopefully here in the near future, I can jump on one of those trips because I would love to go to Costa Rica. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so now I know you guys on your site, you, uh, you got some cool gear and, uh, one of the things I've often wondered with businesses is like, how do you know, how, how do you go about setting up what kind of swag that you're going to offer? So when I say for people that don't know, when I say swag, I'm talking like your your t-shirts, coffee cups, keychains, bottle openers, stuff like that. You know how many yeah. how many are you going to buy? And I think t-shirts are usually the trickier because you got to yeah, I mean usually that kind of stuff comes in bulk, but then you got to decide how many large, small, extra large, triple X am I going to get? Yeah. So the swag and stuff can be a second source of revenue, but at the same time, like we don't really view it as a second source of revenue um, because you can get tied up into it to the point to where it can become a second business when you're doing that. So to us, it's more of a marketing thing. Um, like I can, the, I can put a t-shirt together that may cost me 15, $20 to make that t-shirt but I can't turn around and sell a t-shirt for 30 bucks. And, you know, not a lot of people are going to be buying t-shirts for that much, but, um, so we try to keep the price low enough for the customers. And then, you know, at the same time, keep it to where we're actually making a little bit on top of it. Um, because we do, we print our own shirts also. And so that's another aspect. If I'm not roasting coffee, I'm printing shirts, but um, that was another men, real mentor that I had that kind of taught me that side of the industry as well. We uh, were partnered with a supplement store out of Sneeds Ferry, Kinetic Nutrition. Um, and they're the owner of that store, Danny, Danny Noel, who was also retired EOD tech from uh, Marseille. You know, he <clears throat> kind of cornered that market as far as, you know, if you ordered let's say a hundred dollars from his store, you got a free t-shirt with your stuff. And so he was constantly back there in the back, just print off shirts. And so he taught us kind of the, the, the people he used, we were able to get some accounts and able to buy equipment to do sort of similar stuff to what he does. But, you know, for us, that's a marketing t-shirts, you know, you're walking around with a t-shirt. Somebody's going to say, and I've even done it. I've been in a restaurant where somebody's like, I overheard somebody say, man, that's good coffee, you know, and yeah, that right there, that makes you smile when you hear something like that. But and they don't know it's you. So it's like you're undercover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I've had friends who were in the hospital three, three uh, towns over that somebody stopped him and was like, man, that's great coffee. Cause he was wearing a sweatshirt. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, it's really, it's, it's a marketing tool. So the swag that you have that, you know, and I've had people argue with me where I didn't put my logo, my original logo on a shirt. And they're like, well, that's not our logo. I'm like, I understand it's not our logo, but we, you know, it's marketing, the marketing thing, but it still puts your company vibe out there. And it's another way to kind of, you know, set that culture of your company or display that culture of your company, I should say. Um, Cause I mean, you you look at Starbucks, you know, Starbucks, everything that Starbucks, puts out as a Starbucks logo on it. And that's it. It's very plain, has that Starbucks logo. Where you look at 
let's say black rifle coffee, they're putting out wild stuff on their shirts, you know, whether it's, you know, guns or grenades or stuff like that. That's the culture of their company. You know, they, they're out there, they're in your face. And so it's another way to portray the culture of your company. And you, that's very something you have to be cognizant of. Is this something that you want to put out for that, you know, for your company? Is this something that you want to show, you know, what your company is about or, is this kind of too plain or, or, you know, or too wild, you know? And so it's another way of displaying the culture of your company. That's that makes sense. Point. I, yeah, I, I hadn't really, I'd never thought of that. You know, I was always just one to think of, uh, okay, here's a, here's a t-shirt with my logo or here's a coffee cup with my logo. But that, that's a good point about representing the culture, you know, whether you're like, you want to be the laid back surfer culture or the, in your face, you know, uh, ah, crazy yeah. culture, whatever. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a note of that, man. Yeah. I need to go back and change all my t-shirt designs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also you also have to have that Nike swoosh. You know what I mean? Everybody knows what the Nike I know, swoosh is. Thing, yeah. Yeah. So you have to have that Nike swoosh in there. Something that's simple, but at the same time, like to say hey, this, you know, people recognize, uh, and that comes with time, but it also comes with, with culture. Like you said, like, you know, presenting that, that culture of your company and that's a, that's a, that's a battle. at the same time. Like you want to put stuff out. You want your customers to get new and exciting things, but at the same time, you don't want to put stuff out there. That's, you know, that doesn't display what your company is about. Right. Well, I just got one more question, man, is, uh, do you guys ship overseas? Cause I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that, uh, while we've been doing this interview, I was drinking instant coffee. Oh man, I know. Because I don't have a coffee pot yet, and, and yeah. most of my favorite coffee shops in town are still closed down. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. That hurt my heart a little bit, but um, I, can, I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we have actually shipped overseas once, um, and shipping is very expensive to ship overseas. So, for special people, we will ship overseas. <laughs> Uh, but we do, we're not set up on our website to ship overseas. We actually did a, a giveaway, um, on our Instagram and the guy who won was from Scotland. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I think it cost more to ship the, wow. the giveaway than it did the, the coffee. Was it, was it one of Mark's buddies? <laughs> no, it wasn't one of Mark's buddies. I've got a friend that's real big in the, um, the whole Tough Mudder you know, okay. the style yeah, of racing yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And he, he does a lot of those races. And so it was one of his friends that had come over and did a bunch of races with him and stuff. And he ended up winning the contest. And when I saw where he was from, I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, we sent it to him anyways. And he, he loved the coffee. So um, I, I made a liar out of myself because I did have one. And now I have one more question for you. This is actually something that I really wanted to know about. Earlier, you had mentioned social media. How do you find managing the social media? And what I mean is like, man, if I put something out, like if I write a, an article or like when I publish the uh, interviews when they're done, right? I'm like, okay, it's on Facebook and it's on Instagram. I'm good. And then a couple minutes will go by. I'm like, ah, shit, I forgot to put it on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, shit, I forgot to put it on LinkedIn. And then I got to like change the wording a little bit for each one to tailor it to that platform, you know? So how, how challenging do you find that? And when I say so, challenging, like, I'm like, for me, it's very nerve wracking. Like it can be an all day event 
just oh, uploading onto two platforms and then doing the other two the next day. Yeah. For, for me, I've had to just really focus on one. Luckily, Instagram and Facebook feed into each other's or Instagram feeds into Facebook. So I really just focus myself on Instagram. Uh, for the coffee industry, Twitter's not a big thing. And that's another thing, like figuring out which platform, your industry, uh, that that will host your industry better. Um, I would say for something like you, you're almost you almost have to do it across all platforms. Well, um, it's funny because with all the platforms, like uh, when, when Twitter was on scene, you know, what we see in the news, whatever the celebrities were tweeting and, you know, and then the politicians get into it. And I was like, man, Twitter must be a real shit show. But then I was like, maybe I need to get into this. And actually it's my most professional platform out of all the ones that I had, because all my yeah. professors are on there and, and other scientists who want to share their research. You know, it's, a lot of people sh uh, in my field share their research on there, but yeah, uh, you can't really glance over one. You, you yeah. Know, you know, I mean, I'm not even talking about uh TikTok or Snapchat or any of that kid stuff, but like the big four, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. Yeah. So the one thing I do for Instagram, especially for like hashtags, is I have a list of hashtags that I use constantly and I have that saved to my notes. And so that way I can just copy and paste those hashtags each time. So I'm not sitting there trying to remember like, okay, yeah, which yeah. ones do I use? I'm, I'm typing. And then I'll add more depending on what's in the, the post. Um, so like if it's something I do on Monday and it's, I put a motivational quote on there, it's going to, I'm going to add motivational Monday because that has a lot of hashtag followers. And so, it, like you said, it can be an all day thing and having stuff in the hopper. Like if I go and I do some event or something like that, I'll try to take a bunch of different pictures and instead of trying to upload all those pictures at one time, I'll keep them in the hopper and, and upload them as I go. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Gary V would be too happy with me for doing that, but Gary V also has a guy who follows him around with the camera costume. So, you know, we'll, I wish I could get to that point, but uh, and hopefully one day we will be there. But uh, <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for uh, when, when you're going to put out your next commercial, you know, the one where you're in the woods and you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> I miss those. Yeah, we, we, we've, been, uh, we've actually got a lot of guys who are trying to build up their portfolio as uh, photographers and videographers. So we're, we're trying to just link up our schedules so we can actually put those together because – you know, you know, because you were there whenever I put that out. But a lot of that stuff is I do on my own. There's a lot of like timer and you know, turn the camera on and then run out to the woods and do, yeah, do my yeah, thing yeah. and then and then edit it. But uh, nothing yeah, like thinking you got the perfect shot and then realizing that like half of you was off of the screen and yeah, you <laughs> exactly. the thing that's in the picture. <laughs> yeah, so. We've got some professionals uh, that are coming on board and hopefully we start putting out some, some better content here. But uh, that's one thing that's, very, that's been lacking quite a bit is uh, my YouTube presence and uh, my, my commercial. Yeah, uh, Things like that that you can share across all platforms. It's, it's important to be able to, to do those things so that way you, you know, you're not sitting there spending all day just trying to post something on social media. And then also on the other side of that is responding to people on social media. You know, you always want to, especially you have people that are responding to pictures and stuff on Instagram or on Facebook. You always want to give those people a little bit of the time of your day to, to respond back. You know, they, they, they did it for you. They responded to something that you put out. 
you know, and then it, I think it's important to, to, you know, send something back to them, at least say something more than just a smiley face or a thumbs up. You know? Yeah, indeed. Well, man, I think, I think this has been fun, man. I, I really enjoyed hearing the story. Um, you know, I think some of the big takeaways are first, you know, you got to have that idea. Then you, you have to reach down and grab a hold and decide to, to take the step. I remember when I was going through jump school, I was, I don't like heights. You know, how I ended up in airborne school is, is another story, but I went and uh, we had a Marine uh, jump master and he looks at me, he says, November, because that's what they called all the NCOs. He said, do you, do you believe in God? And I said, yeah. And he said, are you a man of faith? And I said, yes, I am. He said, I want you to look out that door and just take a leap of faith. And I did in a way that I went. So I think once you decide to commit to, you know, starting your own business, you, you got to take that leap of faith that everything's going to, is going to work out. Um, and, and don't, don't be afraid to, to find a mentor. You know, you might find somebody who, uh, maybe they're just grumpy and they don't, they don't, they see you as potential competition, but in your case, you found somebody who was happy to talk to you and kind of take you under their wing and whatever. Um, but you don't know unless you ask, mm-hmm. you know, if you see somebody say, Hey, you know what? I would like to do what you're doing someday. Can you give me some pointers? Um, so with that said, uh, hopefully I didn't steal your thunder, but I would ask if you have any parting words for, um, you know, guys transitioning or maybe guys that are still in that have that entrepreneurial mindset and, and they want to get started to set themselves up for when they do get out. Yeah. So one thing I would say is a lot of people get into uh, starting their own business because they want to be their own boss. Um, and I would like to tell everybody that that's not the case. At that point, you make the decisions are on you. All the decisions that you make affect your company. But I would say at that point, you actually work for everybody. So everybody that sits that wants a piece of your company is who you work for. Um, don't be afraid to say no. Uh, there's a lot of people who uh, they, when they start a business, they, they want to jump on everything. And sometimes if that event or if that, you know, let's say somebody's trying to, to do a podcast like this, you know, if that podcast doesn't align with what your business is about, uh, don't be afraid to say no. Like you, you, you want to jump on things to get your name out there, but you've got to be careful not to jump on the wrong thing. And, and you, you establish a, a culture of your business early. Um, and you want to maintain that culture and don't just jump on every single thing that, that might get your, your name out there. Uh, especially if you're looking to do this long term and you build something, um, to, uh, you know, eventually build your empire, you know? <clears throat> so don't be afraid to say no. And then also don't be afraid to, like you said, uh, finding a mentor. First person I approached told me to pound sand because they did see me as a potential threat, you know? Uh, and then the second person I luckily uh, talked to and he was kind of weary at first too, but we, we hit it off and we were, you know, able, we've had a great relationship ever since. And the original person I talked to actually wanted me to buy their business after, after, uh, they told me to pound sand, but, uh, um, we didn't, we didn't jump on that just because it was not an area that we were looking to set stuff up and uh, they had a great business going. We just, you know, it wasn't aligned with what we were looking to do. So and don't be afraid to say no and don't, don't be, don't, don't quit when somebody tells you no the first time. So 
it is a process um, and every decision you make affects your business and that's exciting and scary at the same time um, but it does it does give you a great feeling when things work out so um, <clears throat> as many mentors as you can find in many different sections of your business jump on it and you know talk uh, often to the <clears throat> talk often to those mentors and um, you know, don't be afraid to reach out when you have questions, anybody. So, so once you throw us out your uh, website one more time. So if you go and you Google Axe Head Coffee, it's usually the first thing that pops up. Uh, we did spell our name a little bit different uh, just because we, there is an actual Axe Head malt liquor up in like Milwaukee or something. So we didn't want to get confused with them. So our company is A-X-H-E-A-D coffee roasters um you can find us on social media on uh instagram is where we do most of our stuff Actate coffee roasters we have a facebook page axe head coffee um so <clears throat> any of those places you can find us and then actedcoffeeroasters.com is where you can order um like i said we've got 10 different varieties of coffee on there and we are more than happy to answer any questions about any of those coffees uh, and uh we I mean, hell, we love talking coffee, so feel now, free. I'll go ahead and uh, throw all these links up in the uh, in the show notes when, when we go to publish, but okay. there, there they are if anybody uh, forgets to look at them or they're listening in the car or whatever. Um, is, is, is there a place where people can uh, come and meet you if they want to come watch you roast coffee? Absolutely. I mean, we... Like I said, we usually do stuff after hours, but I'm always uh, available to, to open the door to people who want to come come watch us roast coffee. But uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, uh, right across from the New River New River Gate, we're set up in Muddy's Coffee House. Um, I'm kind of I don't want to, you know, I'll put this out, but we're behind Toby's. If anybody's uh, familiar with Jacksonville, it's it's quite the landmark. Uh, but yeah. we're in the shopping center there in the food That's line shopping. Of, uh, North Carolina Highway 17, I believe it is. Yep. On the southbound side. Mm-hmm. Right on the south end of uh, Jacksonville. Nice. All right, brother. Well, it was great seeing you again and uh, appreciate you coming by. Um, hey, brother. Again, our website is also up and running at www.wellnessforbets.info, where we have health and fitness and nutrition uh, information and other resources that help you attain your optimal health and and wellness level. So until next time, see you soon. You've reached the end of another episode of the Wellness for Vets podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts. You can also head over to our website, wellnessforvets.info, to gain access to show notes, resources, and ways to connect with me on social media. I'd also appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us reach more people. Until next time, thank you.